All right, how many are happy it's Mother's Day? Make some noise. How many are happy you have a mother? Amen, amen. How many are happy to be a mother? That should be everybody. Well, you know, I had to put it in my own words. I have a special love for mothers. My mother led me to the Lord at her kitchen table. She prayed for me when I was a wicked, vile sinner. I ripped up my Bible and cursed God in front of her to spite her, to spite her rules, despite the faith that she taught me to believe in. And uh, she did not stop praying for me. And out of love, she kicked me out of her house at 18. Uh, in Illinois, uh, in Indiana, where I was brought up, it was illegal to let your kid live on their own at 16. Otherwise, she would have did that because I kept running away. But for my 18th birthday, she gave me some gas money, the keys to my car, and she said, I'll see you later. Come back when you live for Jesus. And that was the best thing she ever did for me was give me the gift of goodbye because she stood upon the word of the Lord that said, as for me and my house, we will serve God. I will not have some drug-smoking, God-cursing sinner in my house. And that was the best thing she did. And if I would have died on one of my overdoses, or when that gun was pulled on me in a party, I would have gone to hell on my own. Her hands would have been clean, and she could have rejoiced at my funeral, saying, God, thank you for the life I was given as a child, I mean as a mother, and I taught him your word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So mothers, don't be afraid to stand on the word of the Lord. You're their mother, not their Savior, so follow your Savior's advice. Amen? Don't you put the teat into an adult's mouth. The, the adult needs to learn how to eat on their own and live for God. Amen? So if you got any uh, hanging around young adults in your house and they're not living for God, take that as a word. That was free in Lanyap just for you today. That wasn't on my notes. So anyways, I love mamas, and I had to put this in my own words. So I put it on Facebook. It's there if you want to share it. It's a play off of some of the Facebook memes that are going around, uh, recognizing the different kind of mothers that are out there. So would you, mothers, please indulge me as I do my best to honor you as a pastor who has known mothers throughout the years of pastoring them and knowing you guys intimately, serving with you. As a matter of fact, been one of the joys of my heart of doing youth ministry and watching those young ladies grow up and to be awesome mothers now, pastoring for over 20 years, seeing my chitlins become mamas, and that's awesome. Okay, here's to all the moms, to all those who did natural birth, and for those who, like Nancy, took all the meds they offered, to the breastfeeders and the formula users, to those who let the babies sleep with them, and to those who praised God for the crib. For those who let their babies cry themselves to sleep, and for those who had them fall asleep on them until they were two years old. For those who had them potty trained, walking and talking by their first birthday, and for those who have them on the five-year plan. For the spanking moms, the time-out moms, let's talk it through moms, and for whatever method works the best at the time moms. For the neat and tidy moms, and for the don't-mind-the-mess moms. For the moms who can cook like a pro, and for those who have become pros at cooking from boxes and cans. For the moms who treat fast food like the plague, and for those who help McDonald's reach their weekly sales goals. For the moms who always post things about the dangers of vaccines, non-organic food, and possible viruses on the playground, and to the moms who think they're weird. 
for the homeschooling, stay-at-home moms, for the working and outside job like a boss mom, for the soft and gentle moms, and for the loud and tough moms like my Italian mom, Lorraine Rirostic, for the single moms, stepmoms, adoptive moms, married moms, and to those who are now moms of moms, our grandmas, for the moms who suffer the loss of a child, for those who have given up their life for their child, may God bless you today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. Here is to the moms. Let's give it up for our moms one more time. Thank you, moms, for blessing us today in the house of God. Would you open up your Bibles with me now to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. How many moms love the Word of God? Amen. We want to bless you today with the Word of God. If you're visiting with us, my name is Joe. My wife was up here giving the presentation of the announcements and the prayer for the Mother's Day. And if you uh, mothers today need special prayer, come to the altars and let us pray with you. Or if you're visiting and you brought your kids or husband or family here, let us pray for you today. We want to do that. We're in a sermon series on the book of Ephesians called In Him. That's the theme that Paul uses in this book to get across the great relationship that we have with God. As you were hearing today in the worship songs, God is not somewhere off in the distance. God is with us as Christians. God is inside of us. The moment you became a Christian, you became as close to God as you will ever be. You may say, Pastor, well, what about when I go to heaven and see the Father and the Son face to face? Yes, you will see them face to face and be in that location, but God is ever present by the Holy Spirit now because he's not just God the Father and the Son. He's God the Father, the Son, and the what? The Holy Spirit. So when it comes to the presence and the power and the love of God, you are as close to him right now as you will ever be because the Holy Spirit is in you and you are in him. And once again, I thank you for your patience with us as we as a church write and perform our own worship songs. Soon enough, they will be on iTunes and for your viewing pleasure with videos and things. But as you come to the church, thank you for learning these songs with us. And one of them today in particular, I am seated in heavenly places. And, you know, blessed with every spiritual blessing, these are teaching you as you're singing the, the revelation of being in him. Can somebody say in him? Say it like you mean it. Say, I am in him and he is in me nothing shall separate me from him that's what the bible says so in the series the in the book here of uh, ephesians in the series of in him we broke it down into sections so now we're in the section verses 3 through 14 and that section i have called the uh, 14 things that paul is thankful for so let's go there in our notes or on your bible and let's read what Paul is thankful for as he is in Christ Jesus. Starting in verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the section starts off, and that's why we named it that, like a mini-series, as it were. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many blessings do you have in the spiritual realms? Are you lacking any blessing? Amen. The thing is, you need to learn how to let heaven come to earth. You need to have the things of the Spirit come into this world. Amen. 
for he chose us in him. Do you see the theme there? It starts over again, in him, teaching us how important it is that we remember our place in him. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has given us in the one he loves. Let's read verse 7 together. Today's verse we'll be studying. One, two, three. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Today's message is redemption and forgiveness. This is a wonderful time to be at church and to be studying the things of God. He lavished redemption and forgiveness on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Can you know the mystery of God's will now? It's God's good pleasure to tell you the mystery of his will. To find the mystery of his will is like reading a mystery novel. All you have to do is read the end of the book and you find out what happens. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody cheat when you were in school? You were supposed to read the whole thing, but you skipped to the end. Read the book of Revelation, last chapter, and you'll see the whole mystery of his will revealed. The Garden of Eden is restored. God is brought back to man, man with God upon the earth dwelling forever. That's the mystery of his will revealed through Jesus Christ. Verse 10, to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And Paul even gives you a taste of it right there. Going on in verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him. Whose plan are we living out today? God's plan, his plan, according to the plan of him who works out how many things? Everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Even your enemy is playing the role that God has them to play. Did you know that? So you might as well just send a text to your hater right now and say, thank you for playing the role you're doing right now because you're bringing me closer to God. You're bringing more glory to the Father. Everything you do to me is working out for my good. So all the things you're doing to be messing with me, God be blessing me. Because you know the devil can't stop what God has started. Amen. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. So no matter how long the story has been being told, we are included when we believe and hear that message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Now listen to this as it comes back in about our theme today, redemption and forgiveness, comes back in at the latter part of 14, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Did you notice something? There's two redemptions mentioned in this passage. Is Paul contradicting himself? We just read in verse 14 that there's an until the redemption, a forward redemption that we're looking towards. But yet in verse 7, it says, in him we have redemption. Hmm, I wonder if any of you Bible students caught that. It says presently we have a redemption in verse 7, but later on in verse 14, same author, same book, says until 
know the redemption. So do we have it or are we waiting for it or could it be both? That's where today's message is going to be, redemption and forgiveness. When we're looking at the things that we just read in those uh, 12 verses, uh, 3 through 14, what we notice is there's 14 things that Paul's are, Paul's thankful for, and we've already gone through many of them, and we still have many more to go. Uh, he's thankful for being blessed with every spiritual blessing, chosen to be holy and blameless, adoption to sonship, glorious grace, today's message, redemption and forgiveness. What do you think we'll talk about next week? Lavish with wisdom and understanding, knowing God's mysterious will, unified with Christ, God's plan, made to praise God's glory, the gospel, marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit, guaranteed inheritance in God's possession. Is anybody thankful for the things Paul's thankful for? Are you going to study these out with us? I challenge you to read your Bible every day and then once a week read the book of Ephesians. Read the book of Ephesians and get it in your spirit every single week that when you come here, You'll be ready to enjoy the depth of it with us. Don't let Sunday be the only time you hear this passage. Audio Bibles are there for your convenience as well. Well, let's get into today's message on redemption and forgiveness. Let me give you some definitions. When we look at redemption, it's a big word, but it really has a simple meaning. It is a releasing affected by payment of ransom. So a ransom is paid and somebody is set free. Think of back in the days when there was slavery, that wicked practice here in North America. And by the way, if you want to know where slave traders go, the Bible says in Timothy, slave traders go to hell. They cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And if anybody tells you it was because it was white people that did that, they're lying to you. Black people had enough slaves of black people in Africa on their own. Men have been enslaving each other of all kinds of colors. It wasn't just a white thing. Where do you think they got Kutakinte from? They got it from the black slave owners who owned the other black slaves. Can I hear an amen? And if you think it was just white people who took away things from Latinos, you have never read about the Aztecs or the Incas. Those little pictures you see on those Mexican restaurant walls, you think they're so cute. When they came to your village, you didn't think they were cute. They would rape and pill they would burn your children for sacrifices, and that's how they did things, okay? So there has been a kill or be killed mentality in the world of all cultures, but just to make it plain, yes, the white slave owner of the South, if he did not repent, is in hell right now. I will put that out there. But now look at it as an example. When the uh, abolitionists, by the way, who were Christians, primarily using the churches as their place of revolution, they would use part of their strategies to buy and free slaves. When they would buy and free a slave, they would pay the ransom. They would pay the amount that that slave sadly was worth, and they would do it to set them free. There's actually a story that one man had never seen slavery in the south because he was in a part of the north and he was doing business in a place like New Orleans that was taking them in off the boats. He was so shocked and tormented by what was going on. He took whatever money he had to, to buy the first slave that he saw, which happened to be a young woman stripped naked there on the block ready to be sold as an animal. 
as she was being sold, the bidders treated her like garbage, only wanted to put out a few dollars in those days and that money in that, in that time period. But this man put all the money he had on the table and said, here's the, all that I have, I want her. And they said, oh, wow, that's, that woman's not worth that. Go ahead and have her. As the man took her and walked with her to the place where he was going to sign the paper, she spit in his face. She said, how dare you treat me like this? You know, how the story goes. And then he took her by the hands, paid the fee, signed the papers, took her by the hands, undid the shackles, and said, I bought you to set you free. Tears streamed down her face, and she said, thank you. You see, that's the story of many of us with Jesus. Jesus comes to die on the cross, and we spit on him. We crucify him. We say we don't need him. But he looks back at us and says, I am dying to set you free. That is what redemption is. And the difference between us and that slave girl is that slave girl did not deserve to be treated that way or be in that place of enslavement, but we do deserve to be in the place of slavery to the devil because we have chosen him to be our master many, many times as a human race. We have turned our back on our heavenly father, left the home, and ran to the plantation of the devil just because of his lies, and Jesus dies for us to set us free. Can I hear the word redemption from you? Come on, say it like you mean it, redemption. The thing that comes with redemption is forgiveness. They're always tied together when it comes to us. This is where the illustration of a man setting a slave free does not follow because the slave, once again, has nothing to be forgiven of in this context. But in the biblical context, we not only need to be set free from the wicked slave master, the devil, from our own sinful self, but we need to be forgiven for the things we did to bring ourselves into bondage. Bondage. So Jesus dying on the cross is not only to defeat the devil, he's doing that to purchase forgiveness for our sins. He is taking the wrath and the punishment that we deserve. When you look at the Bible and understand forgiveness, it is always attached to sacrifice. Starting with Adam and Eve's first sin, animal dies, covers their nakedness. Then God teaches uh, Cain and Abel the principle of sacrifice. Then through Abraham, sacrifice. Then in the law of Moses, contained in those 613 laws. There's even a main feast day that revolves around sacrifice and atonement. That day was called Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. And they would look at that day as the day where Christ, or, uh, the Messiah would one day come fulfill what these animals are doing on their behalf, which is dying for their sins. Somebody say, I need forgiveness. And that's what Jesus purchased for us. And then lastly, what we see, a word that needs to come up, that comes up and needs to be defined here as well, is atonement. Atonement now is the act of removing guilt. So just look at it right here as a process. Redemption, he sets us free. Forgiveness, he says, I don't hold your sins against you. Atonement, he says, now don't be guilty. Don't walk away with condemnation. Don't walk away with the lies of Satan putting on your conscience the remembrance of what you used to do. Everybody say, no condo bondo. No condemnation and no bondage to the past. He sets your mind free from the things that held you together, uh, held you in the past. He, he sets you free because you can be in the future with your mind in the past. Come on, somebody. You can be in the future with your fashion in the past. Can I hear an amen? 
Hello. You, you, can, you can be here, but your mind back there. You can be thinking like it's still, you know, 2005. And by the way, there was a picture of me as a young pastor in 2005, and guess what I wore to church? I wore like a button-down kind of T-shirt thing, shorts that kind of were like cargo shorts, and then kind of like sneaker-type things, you know. I've been wearing the same thing for about 20 years. I'm telling you, man. And you know what? That's okay because it's still in fashion, right? I'm not too out of fashion, am I? Don't tell me if I am. Don't tell me. I just want to think I'm cool. If I'm not cool, don't tell me. Because if, t- if wearing tight, skinny jeans is cool, I don't want to be cool. This is about as much space as I always want between me and the jean right here. That's it. I'm not wearing elf shoes either. If you ever see these dudes wearing that, what I call elf shoes, those little pointy shoes, I, I am not Keebler the elf. I am not wearing little pointy shoes and tight pants. I am, not in, I am not in a Russian play or whatever, you know, like doing these dances. I am not those guys wearing tights and little pointy shoes. Does anybody know what I'm talking about when I said the Russian dance? Okay, thank you. You followed me there. The definitions matter because we got to go deep. Somebody say, go deep. Amen. Now let's look at the two redemptions. You heard them in the passage. But everybody look up at me, please. Let's be honest. Come on, look up at me. Did you catch it before I said it? Most of you probably didn't. Now just be honest again. Let's just be honest. How many of you thought after we've read it now six times in the church, you were pretty much like, I already got this down now, Pastor. No hands going up, but you know you lie. Don't lie in church. Some of you are like, do we got to read it again? Come on, just, just go through it and we'll just we'll look at it. We'll speed read it. But isn't it something how when we go through the Word of God, that passage we've been through many, many times, all of a sudden just something as simple as have and until regarding the same word you can dismiss. Because you're not doing, and this is, I'm guilty of this too, we're not doing what the Bible says, studying ourselves, uh, studying the Word of God, showing ourselves to be approved. We must study the Word of God. We must see every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God to have meaning and significance. The Bible is not doing things, because it, uh, saying things, because it has nothing else to say. The Bible is very specific in what it is saying to us, and we need to take it seriously. And the original languages help us to translate, and they need to pay attention to grammar, which includes the the time frame. Is it past, present, or future? And as you see, there are two redemptions mentioned here. The first one in Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have. Is that past, present, or future we have? Present, we have. Past of have would be what? Had in him we had redemption. Sometimes it says that if it's talking about when they got saved earlier, but he is bringing it to the present and what they have. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So, what is that redemption that we have right now? The redemption, the setting free of slavery, the being bought with a price, being given our freedom is in our spiritual soul right now because we were forgiven and born again. So get that in your heart, that the moment you accepted Jesus, your spiritual soul was set free. 
You don't need to be set free again because Jesus has already set you free. If you are living in sin, the best thing you need to do is go back to the faith you had when you got saved and say, I believe that day I was free from this junk, so I'm going to be who God calls me to be. Jesus, help me to live according to who you called me to be. Now, let me just show you that. Somebody say, make it plain. Okay, turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus makes it very clear what happens when you accept him into your life. Now, remember the book of John says in John chapter 3, verse 3, that we have to be born again. And in John 3, 16, it teaches us how to be born again by faith in Jesus. John, the author, keeps taking Jesus' teachings and relates them to us so we can see how freedom and being born again works and what it looks like. These Jews, in verse 31, had believed in Jesus, and he said to them, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the what? The truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. So the moment you know it, you're free. Can I hear an amen? So the moment you believe it, you're free. Now, watch what he says here in verse 34. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a what to sin? A slave to sin. Who did Jesus come to redeem? Slaves to sin. You and I were slaves to sin. Do you get how this comes together now, okay? Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever, or a daughter, a child belongs to it forever. Now, watch verse 36 if you thought I was lying about when you got your freedom. Look at it. So if the Son sets you free, you will be what? Free indeed. You'll never go back into bondage again. You don't ever have to sin again. You don't. Anytime you make an excuse to sin, it's no wonder why you keep sinning. You and I need to believe that Christ made us sinless so we will sin less. You will not sin less using that wore-out excuse, nobody is perfect. You were born a sinner, born again a saint. You were born imperfect, but born again perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, holy as He is holy. You need to believe you are who he said you are and do what he said you can do. Now you may say, Pastor, do you still sin? Yes, I have sinned, but I am quick to repent. But yet at the same time, I don't sin how I used to sin in repetitive sin, prideful sin. And there are some sins, and I'm believing all of them will be this way. There are some sins I have never sinned again. So why should I think to myself, if I've never looked at pornography again, why should I think to myself that I have to keep lusting in my heart? As sure as God set me free from pornography, he can set me free from uh, from sinful fantasies. Just like I've never cursed since 95, there's no reason why I ever have to sin in my anger. Jesus has given me the power to do so. Who knows the truth is set free. And whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. Now it's up to you, amen, whether or not you believe that. Because if you don't believe that, you'll never be free. Can I bring it back to that point now in verse 32? When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Well, I don't believe that. Well, then stay in your bondage then. When nobody's perfect, well, stay jacked up then. Believe the truth that God made you a new holy creature and you'll live as Jesus lived. Amen. And hypocrisy is to say that we don't make mistakes. I am not saying I don't make mistakes. I'm just saying despite my mistakes, I am who God said I am, and I won't settle for anything less. 
Revelation 5.9 says, You were slain with your blood. You purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Talking about the redemption of the spiritual soul. Colossians 1.13, For he has rescued us. Listen to the words there. You needed to be rescued. Any man that thinks he's good without God is on his way to hell. Oftentimes when I go to Wright College, I say, Hey, do you have time to talk about Jesus? Because we go out there witnessing. And if they say I'm good, they just ask for a comeback, baby. Because if they go, no, nah, man, I'm good. I'm like, you ain't good without Jesus on your way to hell. Say what? You don't know me. You don't know God. I'll give them comebacks all day long. Give me your 30-second attention, and I'll help rock your worldview, baby, because it's the worldview of the Bible. If you don't think you need to be rescued, then you need to be rescued from deception. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. See, darkness doesn't see the things that make them stumble. That's why they don't even know that there's a problem. Because when you're in darkness, you can't see the zit on your face. Come on, ladies. Can I hear an amen? Try to put your makeup on in darkness. It ain't going to work. Men, try to put out your outfit in darkness. You'll come here with two types of shoes on, you know. Come on. And, and we need to be honest with ourselves. When we walk away from God, that's who we are. But he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, and whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. You see how they're tied together? Now, what is that second redemption? The one that we're waiting for. Look at Ephesians 1.14. It says, until the redemption of those who are God's possessions. What possibly could this be referring to? Well, as you study the Bible, and especially Paul's teaching, as a matter of fact, even in verse 30, it gives us a little bit more of a hint. In chapter 4, verse 30, Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Oh, wow, now there's a day of redemption. Well, I thought the day of redemption was the cross. Well, that was for your spiritual soul, the one that you have now and the redemption that God gave you from the cross. But it seems like you're waiting for a day of redemption. And let's keep going and see where it is. Here is Paul again, same author, but now in a different book. Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. What's the first fruit of the Spirit? being born again, having the redemption of your spiritual soul, we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption to sonship. The what? Are y'all sleeping on this and I'm about ready to preach. The what? The redemption of our, of our bodies. Wow. So we're looking forward to when our bodies get what our souls already have. I can see you in the future, and you look a whole lot better than you look right now. Your body's about ready to get an upgrade. It's going to get a resurrected body like that of Jesus Christ. Now, I've said this before because people in the 21st century sometimes think they're so smart. I don't know if I can believe in a resurrection when you die. That's it. That's it. Well, have you ever thought about just what you are? You know, you are a spirit, and you are a soul, and really what that is to God is just information. It's just stored memories. You're more than a brain. We can't find you in an MRI of your brain. Where are you? Are you a little SpongeBob living in there somewhere? No, we can't find you. So you're really just information in a spiritual environment. 
Now think about information in a computer environment. You have it here on a computer. There it is. There's your Word document. A lot of college students doing their finals. You take it, put it on a USB. You transfer it over here to another computer. You're telling me that God can't take your information from this body, put it in heaven for a season, and then whoop, upload it to a resurrected body? The creator of heaven and earth can do that, baby. It's that simple. If Steven Spielberg can make a movie about Thor or whoever these movies are made out, these stupid things, and just use the imagination, God can do more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. And it's still logical and rational. Don't try to become so smart that you become a fool. You're getting an upgrade if you love Jesus Christ as your spiritual soul gets a resurrected body. Jesus raised from the dead because bodies need to be raised from the dead. The, the penalty of sin was not only in our emotions and in our spiritual soul. It was also upon our body and the earth. So we need a new earth suit to live in the new environment. Otherwise, those who say, God should just get rid of evil, we would say, okay, let's start with you. Get rid of you. God, take out the trash. Hello. They don't like that, do they? But they like to be sassy. But listen, that's why you need to come back with a new body so you belong in a perfect world. Otherwise, you'll mess it up. Can I hear an amen? So there's a redemption of the soul and a redemption of the body. That's what Paul's talking about. And we're able to participate in that redemption because God forgives us through Jesus Christ. And we're atoned for mentally walking away from this moment without the guilt and shame, never to remember it again. And in that new life, I don't believe we'll remember it again. I believe the only reason why we remember it now is because we do have an earthly brain that acts as our hard drive. And so when we're our spirit gets uploaded to that new earthly brain, it won't call back those memories to, to, to come back. Because I don't know about you, sometimes just a smell will bring me back to old times. Just sometimes just a music video. But those are triggers to the physical stimuli, and our resurrected body will be free from the flesh. Can I hear an amen? Sinful flesh. Now look at your neighbor and say he's going to give us the message. Now here's the message. Here is the message on redemption and atonement. There are four applications that you can walk out of here with today, mothers, and apply to your life and to all of us who have gathered here today on Mother's Day. Four main effects of redemption and atonement. Number one, our ransom was paid. Number two, our punishment was taken. Number three, our enemy was defeated. And number four, our union with God was restored. Can I hear an amen? Those are the benefits that you and I have today that we can walk away from here and go, you know what? Church is more than just an experience. It's a lifestyle. Knowing Jesus is more than just saying a little prayer. Knowing Jesus is being changed and being rearranged to have the kind of life that he wants me to have. And it starts with what we've already talked about before. Now, what's unique when you study theology is that these positive effects that we get are actually theories of atonement when you study theology. And some of them compete with each other. But I just said, let me just take the best out of all of them and present them to you. You can study them further on your own. The ransom theory talks about God ransoming us, paying the price for our freedom from the master of sin through Jesus Christ. Look at uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but be, uh, did not come to be served, but to serve, that he might give his life as a what? 
as a ransom for many. Look at this again in 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a what? A ransom for how many people? All people. So Jesus ransomed us. He paid the price. He also took our punishment. That's called the penal substitution theory. That means before the gavel went down and we would be sentenced to hell, Jesus stepped between us and the Father and said, I'll take it. Put their punishment on me. And so the cross is not just a place where we look to a man being tortured. It's where we look to God in the flesh taking all of our sins, sorrows, and sicknesses. He, as the infinite God, was, we, was able to relate to the infinite or let's say the amount of sins that we've done. He knew every one of your sins that moment on the cross. He knew every one of your sorrows on the cross. He felt the pain of every one of our sicknesses on the cross. The infinite God took on all of our pain, sorrow, and suffering. Jesus satisfied not only that, but our moral requirements and was our substitute for the wrath of God. Somebody say, God was angry. Oh yeah, you were going to be in trouble if you met God without Jesus. Can I hear an amen? And being more specific, the Father. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be what? Sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see the exchange? He's our substitute. He takes our place. We were the one that should have been on a cross. We were the ones that should have spent eternity in hell. But he takes the sin for us. Look at Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Does everybody see that? And we can also see that uh, Jesus Christ did that willingly out of love. He didn't just do it because he had to. How many are happy the devil's defeated? He defeated the devil on the cross. Did you know that? He defeated sin. He defeated death. Look at what 1 John 3, 8 says. The one who does what is sinful is of who? The devil. Everybody say it in Spanish. El Diablo. Okay, the one who does what is sinful is of what? El Diablo. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Listen, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Are they still arm wrestling today like you've seen those memes? Jesus and the devil, oh, he's going to get them over the top. No. The devil's work has been destroyed in your life. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Do some of you wish you could have a magic eraser and just take that out of the Bible? I want to keep on sinning. That's my joy in life. No, no, no. You got the wrong joy. You need to switch. Find your pleasures in Jesus. I'm so happy it says no one born of God will continue to sin because I don't want to continue in that anymore. How many grew up to a point where you realized you didn't want to continue having poo-poo in your diapers anymore? My daughter's right about to that point. She's like, it don't feel right. Can you get it out, Mommy? And then we teach her, potty, potty, because there's literally an age of awareness where you understand defilement. Psychologists call it that. You understand defilement. There's a time when you'll pick up food from off the floor. You'll touch everybody else's food. But then as a child grows, they get an understanding of defilement. It's like, no, you touched it. I don't want it. Oh, it's gross. How many know what I'm talking about? It's because there's an understanding of defilement in the conscience. Stop sinning. Hate sin and love Jesus. Amen. Because God's seed remains in them. They can not go on sinning because they have been born of God. If you are truly born of God, your conscience will be convicted if you try to keep on sinning. Can I hear an amen to that? How many try to get away with sin as a real Christian and you said it ain't working? It don't feel the same like it used to before. You might have said, I used to cuss out somebody before and I would feel fine. Now I can't sleep at night. What's wrong? 
Jesus is saying, because I want you to learn to live holy like how I'm holy. That's how I made you to be. Revelation 1.18, the end of the book, look what Jesus says. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death in Hades. He defeated sin, he defeated death, and he defeated hell. That's pretty awesome, amen? And then lastly, you know what redemption is? Redemption is our union with God being restored. This is called the recapitulation theory, where Jesus being both God uh, and man, he restarts the human race in the perfect image of God. Jesus literally becomes now the stamp of the Father that we all get stamped and sealed with and reflect his image. We are now part of a new humanity, a new human race, the God kind of race. Amen? So, you know... Leave behind all the thoughts of your sinfulness and embrace the new you. You are a new creation with a new citizenship. Amen? Look at what it says in Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many what? Brothers and sisters. Jesus is the first, and now he wants you to be just like him. Do you see that in the scripture? That he may be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. How many of you have been born again? What family were you born again into? The family of Satan? The family of Michael Jackson? The family of whatever? What family were you born again in? To the family of God. Who is your brother now? What image are you like? You are conformed to the image of the Son. Think about when you can form an image of um, when you're baking things and you have that cookie cutter thing and you cookie cut it. And what happens is you cut out the excess and the shape remains. This is Jesus' image being cut into you and the excess, the sin being pushed out. How many believe that? Peter understood it. Thank you. He said in 2 Peter 1, 4, though through these he has given us very great and precious promises that through them you may participate in what? The divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Think about it like this. Jesus ransomed you, paid for your freedom. Jesus came to give you spiritual freedom. Jesus came to give you the restored relationship with the Father, to put his image on the inside of you, to take your place, to be your substitution, and to die for the defeat of the devil and hell and sin. What you and I can do is believe it and now live as if it's true. Amen? Can I hear a hand clap for praise and an amen? Just for Jesus, not for me. Let's give Jesus the best. Vinny, would you come, please? I want to end with this story in closing today. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. I don't have time to get into all the details, but in the Bible, there is a concept called the kinsman redeemer. Everybody say, kinsman redeemer. Thank you. And what it basically means is that if you got yourself in trouble and you couldn't pay back your debts, you could become a, a slave to one of your own people working off your debt. They called it a slave, but in our terminology, it would be like a servant because you still had all your freedom and your rights. You just had to pay back your debtor because think about it now. When you owe a credit card money, it's not like you can go work for Target and pay it off. But back then, if you owed money, it was like actually to a person, like a person you knew. So I know you, Farmer Bob, and I owe you $1,000, and I can't pay you back. So what does is, what is, uh, Farmer Bob say? Well, come work on my field and pay back my $1,000 by being one of my servants. That's how we would get paid back. Well, people would get themselves in trouble that way, owe a whole bunch of people money. 
and they had a way out, which was if one of your relatives wanted to come and pay your bills and set you free, they could come and do that. They would be your kin, redeemer, your kinsman, redeemer. Everybody get that? How many wish you had a rich relative to pay some of your bills right now? Sets you free from Visa, MasterCard, Macy's, Target, amen. Somebody come to me if you want to set my wife and I free from Target. Tarshe be running them bills up. Yesterday I was like, what? Come on, Target. Going back to Walmart. Y'all doing me wrong. Okay, so the kinsman redeemer would buy back their relative. There's a whole book based on this, uh, this idea of kinsman redeemer. It's called the, uh, the Book of Ruth. And Ruth has lost her Jewish husband, and now she has no money. Her husband really has no land in Israel, and she needs help. And so she goes to a man named Boaz and basically says, will you buy me? Will you pay all my debt? Will you take me into your life? Will you be what I need you to be? And he goes one step further, and he says, I'll be your man. I'll be your husband. Amen. And so we all need a Boaz in our life because Christ is the husband and the church is the bride. And we all need Christ to marry us and to take us into the family with him. And we don't just need him for his money and his forgiveness. We need him for his relationship. Do you all see the story there? But here's the part that I want you to understand. That Jesus paid the highest price for you. Sometimes when we look at the cross, we see it as the world, and it's like God so loved the world, and we put a globe there, and we go, God loved the globe. But that's not what it means by world. What it means is every individual person. God so loved Yolis that he gave his only begotten son, that when Yolis would believe on him, she would not perish but have everlasting life. Just as every mother here loves each individual child, God loves each and every individual person here. And if you walk out of here today not in his family, it's not his fault because he's paid the highest price for you. And he's saying to you, you don't ever have to be this way again. You don't have to be alone again. You don't have to be in sin again. You don't have to be afraid of hell again. You don't have to be afraid of the devil again. I came to set you free. And so what I want us to do is to put ourselves in that story of Ruth as the bride of Christ and say this last sentence together, believing it, it's for you. Jesus paid a price for you. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus so loved you. Amen? So let's read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus paid the highest price for me. He gave his very life for me. He redeemed me because of his great love for me. If you believe it, will you stand up? Give it up for Jesus. Altar workers, will you come, please? We're going to dismiss with the band and altar workers as they're coming right now. And here's how we're going to end out. If you want prayer to experience the love of God on Mother's Day, come up to one of these brothers or sisters here today and let them pray for you to encourage you. Because we don't want you to leave out today without feeling loved and encouraged. And no matter what, mothers, I see you guys are looking great today. 
We got our professional photographers in the back that want to take pictures with you with our white wall, make it look sophisticated and classy today. Don't leave out if you're without that picture, and then you can find it on Facebook on our Metro Praise International page. We want to bless you with these pictures to remember today. But let's pray in closing today that no one will leave out of here without understanding how much God loves them. Lord, I ask you to speak to our hearts the great revelation of your love that we would be captured today by your heart for us, that we wouldn't think, God, that you did it for somebody else but not for us, that we would see all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame being put on that cross. You redeemed us. You ransomed us. You substituted for us. You defeated our enemy for us, and you did it for me. And an attitude of prayer right now, has Jesus become your kinsman redeemer? Has Jesus set you free and brought you into the family? If not, would you ask him to right now? Say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I need you. In the story of Ruth, all she had to do was just go to Boaz's feet, humble herself, and say, I need your help. I don't have anything, but I need your help. If you can come to Jesus and say, I need you, Jesus. Now, for those of us who are saved, Come back to the feet of Jesus if you feel like you've wandered in an area of your life and submit it to him right now, specifically for mothers. If you need God's strength right now, go to his feet and say, Lord, I need your help to be a great mother. I need your strength. I need your power. Forgive me when I don't do it right, but I trust you to do it in my life today, to do it well. A few more moments, whatever you need, we're at the feet of Jesus. Altar uh, band, would you start to sing the song, whatever it is, please, right now, begin to sing it. I want us just to worship a few moments before we go. As many of you are praying, make a decision today. Make a decision that you know, that you know Jesus is the Lord of your life and that you want him to be there with you all the days that you live. If you need prayer, you can even come right now as we're worshiping. We'll dismiss in just a few moments. But I really want to give you an opportunity to seek God before we go. Band, would you sing it a little bit louder? I want to be excited about what we're singing today. Jesus, Jesus. In your Jesus, I sense the Lord in this place. I have to give Your Redeemer is here, saints. Your Redeemer is here. Jesus is here. We'll dismiss in a few moments. But we're making a special time right now for us to pray and receive. your marriage or with your children today give your marriage to God give your family to Jesus give your job to Jesus don't be a slave to the paycheck today don't be a slave to conflict be free be free from death be free from purposeless living be free from the burdens of this life Woo! know the truth today Jesus paid your price and be free. Who the 
is free indeed. In that same melody, sing who the sun sets free. Who the sun sets free is free. Woo! Come on, a few moments before we go. He redeemed me. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. We'll see you at Life Groups. If you need prayer, come on up. We'll keep praying. Otherwise, enjoy your day. Thank you for coming. everyone that came today bless those who are going and look those who are still lingering in your presence let them sense your freedom today let them sense your love today I am free because you redeemed me oh yes God Jesus Amen. Let's sing the first verse of this in the after party before we go. Thank you, Lord. Those who are worshiping, keep praying and worshiping. We're not in a hurry today. Your will is made known. Your will is made known. I lay at your feet. I lay at your feet. Your love completes me. You're all the time. When you breathe on me, I am filled with life. And you will find my peace, and you will find my hope, my dreams. In your presence, I am made new. I have been given a life now worth living. In your presence. We're going to keep praying and worshiping as we release the band. Keep praying and worshiping. We're not in a hurry, but I want everyone to know this today. You are free because Jesus set you free. Can I get an amen after party? Because he redeemed me. I'm set free. Amen. Let's keep praying and worshiping as those are released.
the king.